the Friday GAA podcast with thanks to GAA Go, official home for live and on-demand GAA match streaming worldwide. Goal on here, goal chance for Conor McGrath. Surely give it in, Conor. Mackie heading it towards the 21 metre line. Team Mackie still going. Go on, your boy. Goal is up for Cats. Oh, what a goal. I can't think of a better position or a better place to be in right now, anywhere in the world. It's time to take Sam to throne. If you look back in sporting history, you'll see that the whingers and the whiners are forgotten. The characters remembered briefly. But will stick in your mind at the champions who showed car. I want nothing to do with that, to be quite honest. You know, I think it's a disgrace. A small change before the game, worth the street. I think it looks like Donovan. Donovan Connor back. Wild effort on goal. It's over! Oh, 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 it's over! Oh, 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 it's Okay, hello, hello. It's the Friday GA podcast with thanks to Borgosh Energy, proud sponsors of our GA and off the ball, and of course the All Ireland Under 21 hurling championship as well. Dave McIntyre in the hot seat. Don of Tommy are on with me. They've bailed this afternoon. I think they're off. I haven't seen them around the office, so they're enjoying a well earned Friday afternoon rest. So instead, we've turned to Billy Joe Padden, who has taken time out of his busy schedule to have a chat with us on the weekend's football. Billy Joe, no hurling this weekend. We're going to focus on the round ball, the large ball, and there's an awful lot to get our teeth into. We've got two live games. Games, three live games on Off the Ball this weekend. Saturday, we are in Pierce Park for one of the stories of the summer so far. Longford taking on Cork in their All Ireland football qualifier. And then Sunday, we've two provincial finals. We'll be uh, jumping between the Leinster football final live from Croke Park, Oshin Langans on commentary with Billy Joe and Kieran McGinney on co-commentary and I will be in Castle Bar McHale Park for the Connacht Senior Football Championship final replay I will have James Horan and Michael Meehan alongside me for the replay of Ross Common and Galway let's start with the, the biggest games the two provincial finals Billy Joe you're going to be at Croke Park so we might as well start there it's um, it's hard to get excited about this one isn't it Dublin Westmead you just hope that Westmead give as good a count of themselves as they did last year and unfortunately that's probably all we can hope for yeah, it sure is. It's kind of a case where you're thinking, even myself covering the game going into it, you're just hoping that uh, Westmead start well and that they can stick in it as long as they possibly can. And in order to do that, they're going to have to play really well defensively. And then up at the other end, you know, Heslin's going to have to kick all his frees and probably be excellent for play. Kieran Martin the same way. And other guys are just going to have to chip in and probably have to have their games of the season. And that's just for them to even be competitive. Um there's a part of me that thinks that at some stage Dublin are going to put in a, you know, a, a real mediocre performance because you know, they're so impressive, they're so good, but yet they're so consistent at the same time and they're only human. They've got to be thinking about, they've got to be kind of getting some degree of complacency has to creep in there at some stage. They can't be that well mentally prepared all the time and uh, that might uh, be something to talk about if they aren't at their usual high levels. But uh, still, I, you just think that with all the players they have, all the experience they have, and then all the power they have coming off the bench, that even if they don't start at their absolute best Dublin, you're still going to expect them to pull away at the very latest in the last 20 minutes and win by you know probably eight or nine points. Do you really believe that there is a chance, no matter how small it might be, that complacency will kick in for Dublin in one of these games? Because I'm considering the way Mayo approached the Galway game, and it certainly looked to me like Mayo felt that they dominate Connacht, they just need to turn up to win those games. And the fact that there may be 10 to 12 players in that Mayo team that are guaranteed their place in the team, I don't think that's the case with Dublin, though. They know that if they show signs of complacency, there's probably another seven or eight guys good enough to start in that championship team. And that's why you can't take your foot off at all. And we've seen it with the the game with Fermanagh. 
Stephen Rochford went out and dropped two or three of his most high-profile players. Yeah, no, I think you're right. And it is that competition that drives an, drives an awful lot of them on. Uh, I still think just as a squad, it can sometimes creep in and it's hard to guard against. But I suppose the younger lads coming into the squad will really think an opportunity if somebody ahead of them doesn't play well, that if they get in with half an hour to go, that they have something to prove that, you know, I, I think Jim has, has Jim Gavin has shown in the past that he is willing to give fellas a start, whether it was Finton last year kind of taking over from Michael Dyer and Macaulay for most of the championship. If you're playing well enough, he'll play, he'll play you basically. And that gives encouragement to the, to the guys that are maybe 22 and 23 on the panel that if they get their chance they can take it I, I, I still I still think though even though uh, I'm talking about you know there might, might be a complacent performance around the corner from Dublin the reality of it is even if we get a performance like that yeah. it'll still be good enough to beat anything in Leinster by 7 or 8 points Westmead's two best performances over the last year and a half have been against Wexford and against Mead, Billy Joe, and they just went man-to-man, racked up two huge scores, and that saw them get through to the Leinster final and beat Mead for the first time in their history. 2016, and maybe go back to that game against Dublin where they obviously played as defensively as they could. Since then, they have played a far more defensive style. It's seen them get relegated again, and... They have been part of games this summer that have not been good to watch. The Kildare game was just appalling as both sides played around each other for the guts of 75 minutes without actually be willing to land a series blow to each other. And I just wonder, are Westmead not better off? If they're going to lose this game anyway, going after Dublin, or at least trying to go after them, trying to get their best players into the best positions, acknowledging that you could get carved open, but... I mean, what fun is it for Westmead to spend their entire build-up to this game with 14 men behind the ball in training? Yeah, I, but it's, I think you're right. But I think obviously that's something that they've been working on all year. And to be honest, I don't expect it to change. I expect them still to be very defensive because the mindset of a manager would be, look here, if we put ourselves in a position with you know, 10 minutes to go that we're only five or six points down, well, then maybe we can go you know, and push right up and, and, and go and try and chase things down and see what happens in the last 10 minutes. I think that's the approach a lot of managers take when they're playing against Dublin. For me, I still think that in open play, you've got to get loads of men behind the ball. Yeah, I, I think there still is a challenge there for a team that can go out there and decide what they're going to do. You know, pick their battles on the Dublin kickout in terms of you know, pressing them high up the field at some instances and dropping off in other instances. Uh, I don't think Westmead are the team to put that into action. I, do, I, think it's, it, I think it's a pointless exercise pressing up on Dublin's kickouts for the full 70 minutes because they will eventually wear you down. But I think there probably would be some merit in a situation if you pressed up on a couple and you survived and you, you, you pinned them in and then you know took your breather in, at another stage and sat back and tried to defend deep. I think it's going to take a strategy like that to beat Dublin any team. It might take the, even the better teams, the Tyrone's and, the, and Kerry's, you know, a strategy like that to do that, to, to really try and knock you know, some of the fluency out of Dublin. But I don't expect Westmead, Westmead even the Mead game last year, it was a case of, look here, we've, you know, we've to go for broke. Nothing and they went lose, for it, yeah. and and, and, thing, and things went and things went for them. And you know, I, I was at the Kildare game, and it was while they defended well. You know, Kildare are not renowned for their free flowing attacks, and definitely in the current the, the way they're currently playing. And if yeah, I think uh, I was for news talk as well, I was up in um, Cavan last year against Romana, and it was a really really poor performance by Westmead. So part of me does not know what what sort of Westmead performance we're going to see, other than I expect them to be really really defensive. I want to move on to the two other provincial finals on Sunday, but one final question. We haven't really mentioned Dublin, and look, we're going to learn nothing from Dublin this Sunday. We won't Mm -hmm. learn that maybe until 
late mid-August or even beyond that in the game at the moment we are, in Leinster in particular Dublin are so far ahead of everybody else that we're, we bitch and moan about the standards of the other counties all the time Westmead are in a back-to-back provincial finals for the first time in their history do you think that whatever about how poor Leash Kildare and me there that Wexford get enough or Westmead get enough credit for where they are right now for, for the history that they're writing today in these last 18 months for their county. I mean, this is the most successful Leinster Championship Westmead team in the county's history bar 2004. Yeah, I think that the thing with Westmead is that I think they're actually trying, their league form baffles me, but I think they're actually <laughs> trying to, to, make the, to make the best of themselves. And they've got a couple of really good players, you know, in, in Heslin, he's excellent. And, you know, Kieran Martin is a very, you know, talented and dangerous player when he's on his game, when he's very streaky sort of a player. And I think they're trying to find uh, a game plan that will kind of maximise the skills of, of those of those players. I don't think they have as good a squad as they had when they won Leinster, obviously. Uh, but at the same time, the, all I'd ever ask of the other Leinster teams is, go and make the absolute best of yourself. Westmead are trying to do that. I just get so disappointed. I think we've had this conversation before, David, that you know, teams like Leash and, and Mead and, and Kildare as well are just not maximising the resources that they have. They, they seem to be defeated and mentally demoralised before they even put out a team in the Leicester Championship. Yeah, no, it's quite depressing. Let's move north. Donegal, Tyrone, it's a, just such a mouthwatering encounter, this Ulster final. And for me, Billy Joe, I find it difficult to, to pick a winner. Both teams have shown some really good form coming into the game. I thought Donegal deserved to win both days against Monaghan. I think the <coughs> scoreboard flattered Monaghan in both of those games. And Tyrone have obviously just swatted aside their opponents on their way to this final. And their performance in the second half, in particular against Cavan, was just really maybe a bit of an eye-opener for everybody, in particular Cavan folk. What do you make <coughs> of this game? I, I agree with you. It, it is a real toss of the coin, uh, toss of the coin job. I, I was actually talking to my father about it this morning, and we were both kind of wondering what way it'll go. And it, I got a feeling for Donegal. I don't know why it is. The law of averages would say that Tyrone are going to come back and take one of these because Donegal's record has been so good in this uh, in this encounter. But I just have the feeling that um, I, I, I I like the Donegal full forward line and the the attacking players that they have and the ability to get scores in, in one of these sort of dog fights, you know, these northern dog fights where the the least little mistake is what could cost you in the end. And with the scores that McNeilis has shown he's been able to get, you know, even goals, McLoon and then McBrearty and you know, I, I think it, it, if Murphy is recovering from those injuries that he had earlier in the year, I think we're going to see improved uh, levels of performance from from him. And I just think that might be enough, considering as well that Tyrone are going in there as favourites, uh, you know, with that expectation that they're the coming team. And they are a young team and still reliant on some of the older players. So I just have a feeling that Donegal might have enough to win a, a, a close game. But as you said, it's going to be absolutely fascinating. And whether it's high scoring or free flowing or not, you know, you will be it'll be hard to take your eyes off it because there's going to be such intensity in it. There's going to be such, I suppose, tactical cat and mouse. And then there's going to be physicality. And that's one thing you can guarantee there, the hits are going to be flying in. Are we reading far too much into the form that Tyrone have shown coming through a fairly average Division 2 of the Alliance Football League then beating Derry who in the Ulster Championship have just been beyond woeful for the last 10 Mm -hmm. years and then a Cavan team that just seemed to play completely into their hands. It was like men against boys, a senior team against a minor team in that second game. And I mean, the goals that Cavan got in the first game, it proved in hindsight to be a huge papering over of the Cavan cracks for that second match. So I wonder, given that Donegal have had these two 
tumultuous games against Monaghan and had to beat, you know, a fairly sticky Fermanagh side who were going places with 14 men. The the form guide would sort, certainly point towards Donegal maybe in terms of the test they've already had to negotiate. Yeah, I kind of agree, but at the same time, I was very impressed with the way they, as you described, they swatted Cavan aside the second day. I think Cavan were their usual selves the first day and kind of went into the second game with a bit of desperation, think, OK, we have to utilise the fact that Tyrone have been weak under the high ball, so they, they they went too far that way in terms of their approach, in my opinion. Whereas you get the feeling with Donegal is that they've played you know, two games against Monaghan, a game against Fermanagh, it's really good preparation for playing against Tyrone because they play, you know, similar systems. I, I don't think that Monaghan or Fermanagh counter-attack nearly as good uh, as Tyrone do. Uh, but at the same time, I don't expect Donegal to let Tyrone counter-attack the way Cavan did because Cavan really, once they're, you know, first approach, long ball into, you know, uh, Givney and um, Keating didn't work. They really had nothing else and, and Tron cut, to, cut them to shreds. So I think that you're, you're, there's an element of it where you know, I'm thinking maybe we are overrating them a bit, but at the same time, they can only beat what's put in front of them. And when Cavan gave them that sort of loose open game plan, they really cut them to shreds in a really professional manner. Who's Tyrone's most influential player, Billy Joe? There's no, to my mind, they don't have a single player where you can say to yourself, you keep him quiet for the day, you go a long way towards winning the game. Like Conor McManus, for example, or no. like a Michael Murphy. I, don't, I look at this Tyrone team and they look like they can hurt you from everywhere. Yeah, and they've got so many players. I think we commented on them the day we, we, we covered them on the Cavan Tyrone game. Is that you've got so many little players like McAllister and McCurry and Bradley fellas like these little kind of ancillary forwards who you could come in and in any situation you expect if they get two chances they'll clip them over the bar that they have those sort of qualities but I still think that the key man probably for them is is, is Matty Donnelly because he can uh, do so many different things for them in any area of the field uh, uh, from his role uh, in centre field that he can get back and help them out defend when, he, when his knee he can get up forward and get a, an important score he's you know he's very tactically aware, really fills in positions really well. And then he's a really good relationship with the way it's an unorthodox midfield in that they call him Kavanagh, you know, all he really does is come out for kickouts and goes back in and sweeps in, in the last couple in the last couple of games. And, and then they always get somebody else to fill in whether it was Sean Kavanagh the last day, it could be somebody else the next day. And that that doesn't affect Maddie Donnelly's play. He you know, he he seamlessly fills that role. So I, I think he's the key performer and he didn't really need to be at his absolute best against Cavan the second day. I think he's going to have to have a serious amount of possessions against Donegal the next day for them to be successful. OK, well, we'll have Danny Hughes uh, providing live coverage of that game for us and off the ball Sunday afternoon. You're listening to the Friday GA podcast. Dave McIntyre chatting to Billy Joe Padnall with thanks to Borgosh Energy, proud sponsors of the All-Ireland Under-21 Hurling Championship. Right, the replay in Castle Bar, Billy Joe, you were with us last Sunday. Now, I went on Twitter during the week, or sorry, Sunday night, really, having seen some of the uh, coverage of the game and heard some of the coverage of the game in its aftermath described as deplorable, one of the worst games I've ever seen, worst Connick final in 10 years. And having commentated on it, I actually had a slightly different opinion. Yes, it wasn't of the highest quality, but it was tight, it was intense, it was decided with a couple of real gutsy moments in the last five minutes. The weather conditions were absolutely appalling. There was a wind that was very difficult for kickers, in particular left-footed kickers, to deal with on the afternoon. And I, overall, I thought that, yes, it was, wasn't great, but that some of the criticism of it was maybe a bit too much, as well as two teams in unknown territory. These guys did not know how to go out and win big games in provincial finals. This game, I would hope, on a drier day, will have brought them on an awful lot. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I think that some of the analysis and some of the comments... you know, I so negative. Fellow pe- 
yeah, fellow people in the media were were so unfair. Um, you know, I, I really got, uh, and I, I was on during the week on off the ball, and uh, with Lee McHale, Joe had Lee McHale on, and he said something that he, you know, down on the pitch, you you, you could feel the tension, you could feel the intensity, and uh, you know, I was down the sideline getting wet for for news talk that day, and you, I, I, it for me, it was the most intense game, the championship, because you just you could feel that tension, and the hits were flying in, and. People were, you know, diving on the ball, getting their hands on it. There were so many scuffles and so many, you know, like uh, balls where people couldn't get them up. It was literally down to the fact that any time the ball was free and bouncing around, there was four and five players from each team scrambling to get their hands on it. And to me, that's better to watch than somebody, uh, you know, somebody with a lethargy just letting the guy pick it up and, and play it, the ball backwards. I agree that... I think Galway played pretty well, and they'll be really kicking themselves. You know, they counterattacked well, but they just didn't turn that dominance into scores. And and if if Cummins played reasonably well, and if you just think that he they need a couple of fours playing well to get enough scores for them to win, whereas Roscommon on the other hand were quite disappointing. They defended well, and it's something they hadn't always done. They didn't do in the championship so far, and didn't do in a lot of the league games. But they didn't counterattack with any pace, and they didn't kick the ball with any quality. So they really struggled to create scoring chances. And only, you know, it was an excellent free that that levelled up the the game for them. I expect Roscommon to be better the next day. I expect the maybe they they won't be as tense coming into this next game. And I think they'll take more chances around the middle of the field. To me, at the game, you got the feeling that Roscommon were really afraid of getting beaten around the middle of the field with Conroy and Flynn and how how good they were against Mayo. So they went short on every kickout. They never really had anything, even with the win, decided, let's go long on this and try and pin Galway in their own half. And then even in the second half, when you felt things were getting desperate for them, they still persisted with short kickouts and were very lucky not to get, I suppose, turned over in some of those instances and get really punished. Yeah, overall, do you think that that's something they can iron out in a week? For example, if they, you would hope it'll be a drier ball, but if Galway are dropping all those men back again, are Roscommon going to have a game plan which to figure it out? Is it all about having someone on the shoulder coming at full pelt as opposed to having someone standing two metres to your right and you static giving it to him in a static position so you can go nowhere? Yeah, I think on the counter-attack, you're right. that It's all about having somebody coming off your shoulder. You know, If you create a turnover, you're probably... Yeah. You know, generated a lot of, or used a lot of energy to help create that turnover. You need somebody with a bit fresher to be able to move the ball on. I think the other thing as well, and whether it's accurate or not, I heard rumours or whether this, the team is out yet that a cynical bride might start. And I think having a big target man like that, particularly at the start of the game, might encourage some of the players out the field to actually look here. Let's 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 try and play the odd long ball in there and see if it sticks with Sennon and see if you can bring some of the other forwards into into play. And I think that 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 might be an option worth having. And who knows? If he wins a couple of balls in there early, it might take Galway's focus away from that half-back line early. They might have to drop deeper. And then, as a result, you might have more success running the ball through the middle of the field. So it's about being able to mix and match those two tactics, I suppose. Yeah, we have that game live and off the ball this Saturday afternoon. The team was named today, and, and Senning Kilbride is in the side. It's, I guess it's an indication of maybe they are going to go a little more direct, as you're saying. Ender Smith is who got the goal can probably count himself a little unlucky. And they also have Kevin Higgins back in the match day 26, and he's he's not going to start. But to have him as an option on the bench as well is something that Ross Common could really make a lot of in the in the last maybe 15, 20 minutes. Yeah, and uh, like Ender Smith, it probably unless he re-hurt himself, you know, he'll definitely be an option for the last 20 minutes of the game. He's such a talented player. I, I think they are. I think you're right. Higgins as well, if he if he can give you ten minutes around the middle of the field, just getting on possession, I think that 
they're getting stronger. Roscommon are slowly but surely getting stronger because their squad, their squad are getting fitter. And I, I think as well, there'll be a real spring in their stuff. The psychological recovery after the drone game will be much easier for them than it is for Galway. And um, the fact as well that they, you know, they don't have to go into Pierce Stadium. You know, that is a hard place for anyone to go in there and win. Literally, so, literally yeah. a hard place to get to and get out of. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> let's uh, move on to the Saturday qualifiers. We'll rattle through these, Billy Joe. The first game is Sligo Clare at two o'clock. Part of me thinks that home advantage is absolutely crucial here, that if this game was in Ennis in Cusick Park, I would be back in Clare every step of the way. But the fact that they have to go up to Markovic Park certainly sways me towards Sligo. What about you? I kind of think, I kind of agree with you. I definitely, I, I definitely think if it was in, down in Ennis or even a neutral venue, I, I'd really give Clare the, 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 you know, I'd be going with them. Uh, but I still think I said for some I just fancy Clare. There's something there's something in this Clare team. There's a bit of steel about them in the in the latter stage of the games. We've seen that in the, the league game against Kildare. We saw it again last week. That's you know, they, they can uh, you know get on a bit of a run late in games and, and, and close games out. And if there's anything that this Sligo team has shown over the last couple of years is they can be, they have a weakness in the full back line. And I just expect that Clare could exploit 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 this and uh even away from home in Rackford Park, which is another difficult place to go, um, they, they might just have enough to, to get the job done. They've kind of crept through 2016 as one of the, the stories of of the season, Billy Joe, but without necessarily getting the, the focus and the limelight that they're deserving. I mean, they are now a Division 2 team. That's new territory for a Clare side. And they're one win away from being in the last 12 of the All-Ireland. Yeah, and that's what I really would like to see for them. And I think they, they recognise that as well, is that, you know, even this championship, and they've had some good perform, you know, good wins. They really to to you know to get some reward for the year they're having. They really need to play a big gun, you know, in in Crow Park or or, or you know a high profile qualifier against uh, in, in the next round. So it's very important for them to to get through this one, and who knows what they'll get. And then they really will, I suppose, be the story of the championship, and it'll be a credit to them in terms of the improvement they'll have made throughout the year. Yeah, we'll finish up with our live game, Longford Cork, in a minute. But there's two others. Danny Hughes will be reporting live from Breffney Park, Kingspan Breffney Park, Cavan Derry at half three. <clears throat> Another tough one to call, really. Derry seemed to have generated a little bit of momentum after limping out of the Ulster Championship. Cavan didn't really look impressive in getting their season back on track, Billy Joe, and beating Carlo. And I just wonder, is that evidence of a side that have real problems now that have been opened and exposed, left gaping by Tyrone? Or was that just a day that they had to find a way to win and it'll have brought them on? And this week, they'll maybe start getting back to where we thought they were prior to that mauling at the hands of Tyrone in the replay. It is really hard to tell because sometimes all it is is that you just want to get over that uh, that first qualifier, and particularly against a team that are significantly weaker than yourself, like Carlo War. Um, I think that we won't really know until until the Derry game. Uh, I think that Cavan got away from what they're good at in that second game was thrown. They're they're a team that plays you know a defensive structure, you know kick your freeze and try and create a couple of counter attacks and. They're not a team that's suited to playing open, expansive football. They just don't have the athleticism in their defence to be able to do leave fellas in, on, in man-on-man situations for long periods of time. Uh, I, I think from Derry's point of view, Derry are pretty lucky. I think Mead started that game really well and could have been out of sight. Uh, and in the second half, Mead let them back into it and, and Derry rallied. And you know, I suppose home advantage you know, kind of was a, fact, was a factor in that, in that as well. So it, that one is a really, really 50-50 game and it could go either way. But... There should be a bit more desperation on it from Cavan's point of view because I know that Terry Highland will probably see that every game now might be his last and that could be the same for some of these other Cavan players who are meant to have made a statement in the championship 
following their under 21 success over the years and they just haven't been able to make it yet. So they will be looking, like I said, to get to a last eight so they can finish this season with some sort of positive outlook on it. If you told me that a Derry team seven points down, I thought maybe it was even eight points at one stage against mm-hmm. me, that Owen Begg was going to turn around and turn the game around and win it, I would have laughed at you. This Derry are starting to show a little bit of backbone, Billy Joel, that I didn't necessarily think they had in them. And albeit, you have to say, that it was up against a team that are now... Um, past masters at building up leads and then watching them unravel in Mead. No team seems to do it with the same regularity and brilliance as Mead. But Derry are still in the championship. I did not expect them to be here in round three. Yeah, and I think you've described that very well because it's a bit of both. It's a bit of Derry getting on a bit of a run. Um, Some of the players, you know, Keelt, you know, got a couple of scores the last game. Obviously, Mark Lynch, you know, again, was a factor on the scoreboard. And then from Mead's point of view, they, they've thrown away so many wins. And you're, you're gone from a stage where I'm wondering, is, is this a case that, is it a mental thing or is it is it a mental thing and a fact that they're just not conditioned as well as a lot of yeah. these other inter-county teams? Now, I think it's probably a combination of, of those elements. But Derry will always be a dangerous team because they're a hard team to play with confidence. I think the playing at home for Derry is a huge advantage. It's always hard to go up to Derry for an opposing team. So um, I, I, I think down in... It's in Breffney, isn't it? It, it is, down, yeah. yeah. It, down, down in Breffney, I think Derry, while they'll be familiar with the, the setup, I think it'll be a bit of an advantage for Cavan. And I think that the desperation they'll play the game with, I think the Cavan might be able to, you know, win a real close one here if they can keep the likes of Lynch and Kielt and a few of these uh, long-range point scorers quite for Derry. And you obviously Cavan beat Derry in their last championship encounter back in 2013 yeah. after extra time and they went on to play in the All-Ireland quarter-final that year. Before we finish with Cork, Longford, Mayo, Kildare, your own county hosting Kildare in the championship for the first time. Seven o'clock Saturday evening in Castlebar. Another big crowd expected. Are you anticipating a much improved performance from Mayo after maybe the pressure is relieved somewhat by just about getting over for Mana? Well, I don't know if I'm anticipating. I'm not. I'm not so sure that the pressure is relieved because I think a lot of the pressure on this Mayo team is is coming from inside or it's coming from in the county, and I think it's a reflection that's not you know not enough of the the squad are playing well enough uh, uh, for for these games to be as comfortable as they should be, considering what Mayo have done over the last four or five years. You've had like. Fellas like Colin Boyle and Jim O'Connor have been exceptional again all season, and we're just not getting another enough fellas, uh, you know, playing that well. I, I think you've seen improvements from Aidan O'Shea and Killian O'Connor in the last in the last game, but really and truly, Mayo need to get m- many more players playing well. I think they're struggling in the full back line. Chris Barrett and Jared Kafke, probably people that Mayo wouldn't think they'd miss, they're definitely missing them because it's just taken away depth from the Mayo full back line and made things, you know, kind of Mayo kind of stuck with the, the three or four players they have in that area of the field. And, a lot of talk about Keith Higgins and he should be moved back there to try and shore, shore up things. And then from Kildare's point of view, you know, it's a, it's a good, I think it's a really good fixture for Kildare because, you know, no one expects them to win going down there. There's a lot of young players, you know, may or not this sort of stifling defensive team that if you can get out and play well and win enough primary possession, you, you will be able to play football with them and we'll be able to see, finally see if there's any, I suppose, attack and intent in this Kildare team that they can go out and get scores and start hurting teams because for me the last times we've seen them we've just seen team with possession and ponderous movement of the ball and just you know being kind of toothless up front and and uh, you just can't win games when you're like that You, I really hope Billy Joe that Kildare go out and if necessary die with their boots on in this game because if they go out and they play badly and they don't show any attacking intent and they lose by four or five points it will have been the worst and limpest and most feeble championship 
slash league final combination of games I've ever seen <clears throat> from a Kildare County. Surely there is something in them this week in preparing for this game that will see them have a proper cut-off Mayo, trust that they've got attacking players, they can get into good positions and actually try and exploit that pressure you've talked about that is very much on a Mayo team who are comfortably odds-on to win this game. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I think this is, as I said, it's the perfect opportunity for Kildare to show us if they have anything at all. And I think it's kind of nearly desperate stakes for some of the more experienced Kildare players, maybe the players that are there with four or five seasons and maybe there when, when, when Geezer was there, that some of these defeats that they've taken against Dublin have obviously hurt the team mentally. But if they can't show that they've recovered to go out there and play, you know, open, uh, expressive and, you know, just open-minded football, that you're not worried or feeling fear every time you, you have possession, well, then I think you, then Kane O'Neill will not be able to persist with some of those players next year. He'll just have to wipe this slate clean and go real young on it because maybe those players are you know damaged beyond repair. And I hope that's not the case because some of them I think have a lot to offer. There's a, there's a fair bit of talent there. And you just hope that they go out and grasp that opportunity in the knowledge that there is no pressure on this game. All the pressure is on Mayo. And that's the message Keane O'Neill will be getting across to his players. And the fact that he already knows these Mayo players from having worked with a whole lot of them in the past. But I suppose that element might even give his own players a bit of confidence in terms of the individual information he can give to guys that have specific jobs and maybe in man market holes. Right, last game, Longford Cork. It's live from Pierce Park tomorrow afternoon. We are doing our entire show <laughs> off the ball at the stadium starting at one o'clock tomorrow. Jer's presenting. We've got a really good panel. It's a Leinster Championship panel based pretty much on the glory days of the Leinster Championship from 1997 to 2004 when in eight seasons six different counties won the Leinster title. It seems absolutely unthinkable now. We've got Collie Moran, we've got Dermot Early and Ross Munley, all of whom won Leinster Championship medals in that period. They're going to be joining Jerry Pierce Park and then the game itself, throwing at half three, we've Anthony Moyles and Mossy Quinn on commentary duty alongside Oshin Langan and Billy Joe, yourself, you'll be on the sideline. Having watched Cork Limerick live and in full last Saturday, and having watched the manner on the Sunday game in which Longford got a hint in their nostrils of how vulnerable an animal Monaghan were and just went in for the kill at last weekend, it amazes me, Billy, that Cork are 4-1 to one on away from home to win this game. I cannot get my head around those odds. Yeah, well, that's the first I've heard of them, and they didn't seem quite excessive. I have to say, I expect Cork to win because really, I, I, based on what evidence? I think it's just—I don't know what evidence. I think I just have a hunch. I think that problem with some of the with Longford has been is that they're such. Well, no, I'm wrong there. No, they went up to down and. They got a win up there when it was unexpected, and you know the win in Monaghan was totally, totally unexpected. Um, and I, I should know first-hand experience that Pierce Park's not the easiest place to go on a qualifier. Considering that my last appearance for Mayo was a defeat there, um, I still think that there has to be something in this Cork team because there's just too many uh, quality players. Uh, there that they won't show something and so, I, well hang on I, now. now I was going through the starting 15 with Chair live on air in the, before the game last Saturday I don't, who are these quality players that you're talking about well, you, take, you take Paul Kerrigan and Colin O'Neill out of the team now Mark uh, Collins had a brilliant yeah. game last Saturday he yeah. was the standout he was the shining light for Cork kicked five from play and won a penalty as well take yeah. those three out of this team Who who is it that you're talking about well I suppose when you when you look, when you look at it like that I, I, I was Solely focusing on O'Neill and and Kerrigan, I saw Collins is a is a is a is a player that you know he's not usually such a scoring threat, 
and has at times played sweeper and deep players like that. He's obviously a fellow with a lot of and you know game intelligence. I, I I think that maybe I'm wrong here. Maybe 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 we should maybe David we should be focused on what the likes of Kavanaugh and. Uh, Quinn and all these boys have done over the last couple of seasons where they can really hurt players, particularly with some of the long-range shooting that was really so impressive up in Monaghan, and that maybe we're going to see another uh, performance like that. I think the price, as you said, is ridiculous. 4-1 to one on is absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, we're long for 9-2 to two to win the game. Darrell Shea wrote a piece on Court during the week in the Irish Times saying that he thinks that all the shame has left this Cork team. That they know that they no longer feel ashamed of some of the defeats and some of the displays that they've turned in over the last eighteen months. And that's a hugely damaging assessment of any amateur player. And it's not one that I would like to hear um, espouse too often. But if Billy Joe, there's a shred of truth in what Dara has said. Well, doesn't that line them up for another big defeat this weekend? Because maybe going to Longford and going down at Longford, doesn't scare and uh, embarrass Cork footballers like it might have done in yesteryear. Yeah, maybe he's right. Maybe it doesn't scare them. I, I get the feeling where Cork is that I, I, I think that now this is only from speaking to the, a few players that I know, you know, that have been in and around Cork teams last number of years. That they feel that the county board is not trying its absolute hardest to put a winning team on the field. Rightly or wrongly, I don't know if that's accurate. That may not be accurate. I know that the Cork County Board are obviously try, working very hard with the redevelopment work they're doing in Porky Grieve, and maybe that the players feel that that's taken their focus. But I have to say here, like you cannot waste a career. You cannot just turn out and just let years go, you know, fall into each other where you're actually not doing anything. Cork is too big a county. There's bound to be better footballers there that they can actually do something. They're in the Munster Championship for God's sake. For all you need is one good win to to win a title. Win a title. And I think that there's no desperation, there's no eagerness, there's no desire there to actually go and improve and, uh, uh, you know, just create a team. And you're looking at their relying on the likes of Alan O'Connor to come back and be a saviour and as, as good a player as he is. You know, it should be young guys that are stepping up and saying, I want to take on the mantle and drive this team forward. Well, it'll be very interesting to see where the core can uh, get this resolve from and whether Longford have another massive performance in, in two weeks in them. And it's going to be live and off the ball. This really would be one of the stories if they were to get rid of Cork and Monaghan, successive championship weekends, and get to the final 12 of the All-Ireland for the first time in living memory. Certainly from my, my point of view, that would be quite spectacular. You're going to be there on the sideline, Billy Joe, and Mossy Quinn and Anthony Moyles are going to be joining Oisín Langan in the commentary box. I'll be reporting and in the build-up to Mayo as well in their game with Kildare Saturday evening. So much to look forward to over the next two days. And Billy Joe, you'll be part of it over the next two days on Off the Ball. Thanks a million. We'll chat to you tomorrow. OK, good stuff. So that is the GAA Friday Football Podcast. We will speak to you tomorrow from one o'clock. The Friday GAA Podcast with thanks to GAA Go, official home for live and on-demand GAA match streaming worldwide. Goal on here, goal chance for Conor McGrath. Surely give it in, Conor. What a goal! Mackie heading it towards the 21 metre line. Keep Mackie still going. Goal is up for Cats. What a goal! I can't think. Of a better position or a better place to be in right now, anywhere in the world. It's time to take Sam to throne. If you look back in sporting history, you'll see that the whingers and the whiners are forgotten. The characters remembered briefly. Will stick in your mind that the champions who showed class. I want nothing to do with that, to be quite honest. You know, I think it's a disgrace. Give a small change before the game, work the street. <laughs>
bit of luck, Sandra. Oh, Donovan has had a wild effort on goal. It's over! It's over! Equalizer!